Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Here we are in the first full week of June in this year 2018. And this particular time is the 50-year anniversary a very monstrous anniversary but an anniversary nonetheless a one half century anniversary of the political assassination of Robert Francis Kennedy Robert F Kennedy Bobby RFK and to this date Powers that be behind the scenes have kept we great unwashing masses, we multitudes, ignorant of what really took place. And yet, the mystery, which they would say there is none, the mystery of what actually occurred, what actually took place, on that night in Los Angeles, California, at the Ambassador Hotel, I believe is no different than the mystery of what took place in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas, in November 1963, to the elder brother of Bobby, to John Fitzgerald Kennedy, Jack JFK. Now, I am not a great admirer of these two men. I certainly am not worshipful of them. And I do not appreciate the glorification of them and all of the Camelot nonsense or narrative. But they were cut down for very specific reasons. Not by some lone crazed gunman. No. Nor even by a lone assassin imported to the United States of America by the Soviet Union or by Cuba. No. No, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that JFK was assassinated by a group of assassins at the behest of those behind the scenes who operate internationally but who have very definite entrenched interests here in the United States of America and who manipulated the powers that be behind the scenes and the intelligence organizations and so forth. And that Bobby, instead of being assassinated by a lone, crazed gunman who had come to the United States of America to join his family 12 years prior, that instead of that scenario, instead of that narrative, instead of that cover story, that while that factored into the exterior appearance of it, that he was cut down from the most extreme point-blank range. One does not suffer powder burns from being shot from several feet away with a 22 yet no but from being shot from absolute point blank range either contact with the skin or a couple inches 
from that and from behind, whereas Sirhan Sirhan was in front of Bobby. But the man who was with Bobby was a close friend of Bobby who was a union official, Paul Schrade. He was shot by Sirhan Sirhan, shot in the forehead, and he survived. And he's now 93 years of age, and he is still calling for not a regurgitation of the previous investigation, not a reinvestigation, but a new investigation. Lots of luck with that. Freedom of Information Act and all that notwithstanding. Lots of luck with that. The bullets that were retrieved were secreted away long, long, long ago. And the idea of getting to the truth in an authoritative way for all people to see and to recognize. I just don't believe that's going to take place ever (laughs) during the limited time that remains regarding either Kennedy assassination. Why were they cut down? Why were they murdered? Really? Well, I'll come back to that. But suffice to say that they were. And not by the lone, stooge, crazed gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald and Sirhan Sirhan. It amazes me the people that insist that conspiracies don't exist. Conspiracies don't happen. They're much more comfortable. And I'm not talking about the ones behind these lies. I'm talking about we, the people, who are much more comfortable believing a convenient lie than the truth, a very inconvenient truth. much more comfortable believing a preposterous lie than believing the undeniable truth. And that applies not just with regard to political assassinations, but with the creation of this earth and the creation of we people and with laws and justice and truth much rather believe all manner of fictions. And the entertainment industry certainly plays upon that greatly. It amazes me that people find it entertaining and enjoyable to watch these myriad Programs regarding zombies, zombie apocalypse, zombie invasion, alien invasions, and all other manner of such things. Instead of actually recognizing what is true, or that they would rather fall down and worship the likes of liars like Charles Darwin, and more about dear Chuck in a minute. But it is the human condition. I know I don't like bad news. I don't like depressing programs and so forth. I would rather watch something enjoyable, actually enjoyable, entertaining and enjoyable, than something miserable, morose, and depressing. But, on that line, if I do have to obtain information, which is unpleasant, I would much rather 
obtain it via documentary than by some Hollywood production, which always fails badly. I was watching a program the other night, and it was on National Geographic Channel. And it was, in essence, a reenactment kind of a thing concerning the Battle of World War II. And it was this dramatization, reenactment, instead of just a straight documentary. I'm not saying that documentaries are foolproof and you receive absolutely honest, accurate information. No. I know I used to watch... American Experience, and Frontline on PBS, those series. And what I appreciated about them was how well they were done in terms of how skillfully, expertly they were put together. And I appreciated the outstanding narration, and I just liked everything about them except <laughs> except their leftist slant on so much. So I knew there was all kinds of propaganda involved there, all kinds of indoctrination, but I still appreciated the programs. And when I watch documentaries, I watch with uh, somewhat of a critical eye, recognizing that you cannot believe what you're being told you know, by those who are putting these things together. But still, I find them interesting if they are well done. I have mentioned before about some of the individuals and some of the information that I am going to recap right now, but it has absolutely great import pertaining to this nation and this world. And it deserves to be reiterated mega times in order for these things to be present in our minds while we are being subjected to all manner of false information, disinformation, misinformation. But before... Referring to these, let me just say this. There are nation regimes, national regimes, that are bent on, that are committed to destroying, overthrowing the United States of America and Israel, and that are bent on, committed to enslaving the world. Now, I don't believe they're going to succeed. Mind you, these nation regimes, these national regimes are the former communist Soviet Union. What is left of that? The Russian Federation and communist China, the communist Chinese regime. Additionally, there is the satellite slave state North Korea. There is nuclear Pakistan, Islamist Pakistan, nuclear Islamist Iran, and so forth. I could include communist Cuba and Venezuela and so forth. But these regimes have certain things in common. And apart from the general populace of these nations, the regimes worship Satan, worship man. They do not worship God. They abhor God, loathe God, despise God, and murderously hate and persecute those who worship God. I know. How dare I say such a thing? I mean, the Islamists, don't they worship God? (laughs) Worship Allah and worship 
that sorry excuse of a prophet Muhammad? Well, they're not worshiping God. They are worshiping Satan by one of his many pseudonyms and worshiping his satanic operative false prophet Muhammad. But yes, they worship them and they obey them the same as the Nazis worshiped and obeyed Adolf Hitler. But these nation regimes do work cooperatively, akin to the way that Nazi Germany and fascist Italy and imperialist fascist Japan worked cooperatively. Not in an explicit confederation, but nonetheless working in agreement, in concert, in conspiracy to achieve common ends, common goals, common objectives. Even though they are not recognized as a coalition, (laughs) nonetheless, they do work, dare I say, conspiratorially and collaboratively. But those organizations that are not part of those nation regimes as such, those organizations that are para-national, international, non-national, that are not first and foremost military, but instead rule and reign over nations and militaries. The financiers, the financial powers, and those who rule and run them, who are behind the scenes, they are also committed to, dedicated to, overthrowing the United States of America and Israel and enslaving the world. So why are all of these so bent on destroying the USA, the great old USA and Israel? Why? Well, one reason is because a free, strong, powerful, mighty, courageous, honorable, godly, righteous, God-honoring, God-obeying, God-serving United States of America serves as an enormous impediment to them accomplishing their ends. And a free, brave, strong, valiant Israel, as tiny as it is, nonetheless, also stands in their way. But it goes beyond that. They have an absolute, unquenchable hatred of God Almighty, and Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and of all who worship them. Yes, there's not a whole lot of worship of God the Father, God the Son in Israel. And there is (laughs) declining worship of them in terms of worship in spirit and truth in the United States of America. But nonetheless... That's what the United States of America and Israel represent. And they despise and loathe these two nations above all others and seek to destroy them more than all others. And they know that all others will fall, will succumb, will yield, will surrender if these fall which is not to say they're going to wait on those others (laughs) and just incorporate them after overthrowing the U.S. and Israel. No. 
not if God's word is true, and it is, and Israel will be the last free nation standing. But while the national regimes, the nation regimes, the communist regimes, the Islamo-fascist regimes, the totalitarian former communist regimes have not succeeded per se, in corrupting and perverting the institutions and the mores in this nation, in the United States of America and Israel, these others, these non-national, international organizations and powers and financiers behind the scenes have greatly succeeded. Greatly succeeded. And daily succeed in further deteriorating and degenerating this nation, the United States of America and Israel. And they have a great many agents in their vast army. No, not military but media and politicians, judges, those elected and those appointed, those appointed for life. And also corporate executives and the entertainment industry and academicians, professors, and teachers, and chancellors. Vast, a vast, ruthless, vicious coalition dedicated to destroying this nation who are in absolute lockstep with them. And then there are all the vast numbers of others who are simply corrupt and self-serving, and shallow, and superficial, and vain, and they're dupes, and they very gladly play along and assist them. But these financiers, not ones who have necessarily made fortunes, per se, but more likely stolen fortunes, who have manipulated currencies, who have brought nations down to their knees financially by their operations. These are the ones that hold the keys. And they have made great, great inroads in subverting, corrupting, perverting, blinding, and enslaving the people of this nation and Israel and all of the Western world. They've been at it for a long time. This goes back before the assassination of Bobby Kennedy, before the assassination of Jack Kennedy. Before that, it predates it. But even though Jack Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, lived a charmed existence prior to the assassinations, And were favored by not just we, the unwashed masses, and we, the electorate, and so forth, but by so many that were in power, that did have wealth, and did have influence. They were supported, sponsored, favored, championed by so many of these. And yet, they lost favor.
and they were turned on, as it were. Turned upon. Why? Because they posed a threat. (laughs) They posed a threat to that agenda. They were sufficiently, foolishly, naive, vain enough to think that they could do things their way. Even when it ran afoul of the agenda of some extremely powerful, vicious, ruthless people. But hey, Jack and Bobby were not some golden boys that they've been made out to be. This was the Irish Mafia, as it was viewed in many circles. Bobby Kennedy, slight of though he was in appearance, he was a bare-knuckle bruiser brawler, tough guy, enforcer, hatchet man for Jack Kennedy. Not to compare or liken them to this individual, but it reminds me of Frank Sinatra, somebody who not only do I loathe the person of Frank Sinatra, but I've always hated his singing. I know it was shocking, but true. But as skinny as he was, as scrawny as he was, he was a vicious, ruthless street fighter, dirty fighter, really ruthless, tough guy. Again, not likening Bobby to that or Jack to that. But they were, even though they were intimidated by Khrushchev, (laughs) definitely, positively, still in all, these were not altar boys. These were not golden boys. They just weren't. But they didn't know the extent of what they were up against. Now, Bobby should have. Before he was taken down, he should have. Based on what was done to his brother. But. What does the future hold? I'll come back to these. But what does the future hold? Well, depends whom you listen to. (laughs) Who should we believe or trust or pay heed to? Well, I would recommend going by the Bible rather than by a minister or a priest rather than what your local politicians say, rather than what the governor and U.S. senators and U.S. representatives from your state say, rather than what your president says, or rather than what the United States Supreme Court declares to be true, or right, or righteous, or fair, or honest, or honorable, or moral. (laughs) Uh, But to go by what God says, I think that is beyond question the surest, solidest ground that there is. But that's not to say there, there are not many who would disagree with that because... You know, they're so advanced and so progressive and all of that. There are historical, biblical, cautionary tales, cautionary examples for us. We are without excuse if we fail to heed them. As I've mentioned before, the Jews, the Hebrews, the people of Judea, Israel, and prior to that, the single kingdom of Israel, they were the chosen people of God. Not because they were perfect and 
spotless and all that. But he selected them, and he expected them to obey him, to honor him. And they refused to. And they chose monarchies. They chose royalty. They chose to follow, to imitate the heathen, pagan peoples of the surrounding nations and of those whom God dispossessed for them. And so to today, so many people are so enamored with the royalty in this nation or that nation or the other nation. And whether that royalty consists of people in a certain bloodline lineage going back X number of centuries or whether they happen to be newcomers to the royal family, there is this great attention paid and honor heaped upon these royals, which is remarkable, I think. Because monarchy, after all, is, (laughs) it is certainly not democracy. But democracy, what is democracy? Democracy invariably leads to totalitarian regime. That's right. I mean, I know, I know it's not supposed to be that way, but totalitarian regimes come forth from democracies as they do from monarchies, from the overthrow of monarchies. But as far as how many good kings, righteous kings, honorable, noble kings there have been throughout history as compared to how many wicked ones there have been and corrupt and cowardly ones and so forth, well, the good ones, even back in Israel, the good ones, not great, but good, were the extreme, extreme exception. I know much has been made here with regard to the royal wedding that took place last month of people giving accolades, saying this is so great that now, and I heard this from so many, oh, this is such a leap forward, they didn't use those words, but it's so great that now instead of Harry marrying a Caucasian girl, instead of him marrying a girl or a woman who had some title of nobility in the family, instead of that, that he married a woman from away, a woman who had no claims to nobility, a woman who was interracial or biracial or multiracial and different terms were used, an African-American, and so on and so forth. A woman who was an American. So funny to hear Brits talking about this being a good thing. But anyway, it was just so refreshing. It was so exciting. They're just so enamored with this. What an outstanding improvement this is for the royal family and for royalty and so on and so forth. I thought it was hysterical. But anyway, there are significant numbers of people that have been so greatly enamored with that, with royalty and no pseudo-royalty or neo-royalty, new royalty, and that it's it's just so great. Royalty is so great. Whether royalty has been something less than great in the past. And yet, there are many people who insist that the worst blight on civilization and humanity throughout the ages has been Christianity. And meanwhile, they champion communism. (laughs) Since it's this far into the program, let me just say, I'm Brad Thomas. This is After All is Said and Done. Whatever is right about this program, true, good, is thanks to God Almighty and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior and Master. Whatever's wrong about it is due to me, okay? 
lay the blame on me. But we have examples. These chosen people of God who rebelled against God over and over and over and insisted on adopting the ways of the heathens and pagans and adopting their gods and goddesses and worshiping them and even sacrificing babies to these demons, these devils, these false gods. God overthrew them. God rejected them. God allowed them to be slaughtered. God brought destroyers to overthrow them and to take those who remained away into enslavement because they had sunk to such levels that they had even enslaved one another. Now you say, oh, so we're talking about like Slavery in the United States of America. No, I'm not. I'm talking about Jews enslaving Jews, Hebrews enslaving Hebrews. The monarchs, the kings, and the occasional queen who ruled, for the most part, were so vile so ungodly, so anti-God, they led their peoples to destruction. And more often than not, the people gladly followed and participated willingly and enthusiastically. And God sent messengers to rebuke the leaders, whether that be the kings, the priests, even the prophets, and so on and so forth, and to command the people to turn back to God, lest they be destroyed. But here in the United States of America, we have cast off the bondage (laughs) of worshiping God And of respecting and honoring the examples, the sacrifice of the actual founding fathers who predated those who are referred to as the founding fathers. And instead embracing, rejecting Christianity and embracing false religions. California is the most vivid case in point I can think of, but certainly this has become rampant nationwide. But in California, for decades and decades, every form of false religion from around the world has found a home, including explicit atheism and so forth, but every form of worship other than worship of the one true God, other than Christianity. And so much apostasy and heresy has crept into the Christian church. So much materialism and so much sin, corruption, perversity has crept into so many denominations, has completely enslaved many denominations, and has flourished within remaining denominations. And, of course, Catholicism, which has uh, suffered a stranglehold of that going back millennia. But, While the nation regimes are bent on our destruction and may succeed, they are actually tools of these others who are behind the scenes. 
the ones like the George Soroses and so forth, and those whom I have referred to in the past to think destruction of billions of people would be a good thing. The Ted Turners and the Prince Phillips and these others. The Peter Singers, great ethicist that he is. Well, I've mentioned Meyer Amschel Bauer before. He had a 14-point plan for world domination, world enslavement. And the key points... (laughs) Number one, that propagandists would arouse feelings of hatred and revenge against the ruling classes. This was back in the days of classes, class warfare. Number two, the first principle to remember is that law is force in disguise. And by the laws of nature, Right lies in force. Another way to put that is that might makes right. Might is right. Not to be confused with this talk of right wing. (laughs) This is right. Might makes right. (laughs) Number three, political freedom is an idea, not a fact. Preach liberalism so the electorate will yield power and prerogatives or wealth, uh, property, in addition to its freedoms, into our hands. Preach liberalism so the electorate will yield power into our hands. Number four, success of our plan is ensured whether the established governments are destroyed by external foes or internal foes. Okay, so whether the enemies are foreign or domestic doesn't matter as long as these established governments are destroyed. And which enriched... (laughs) These financiers, these financial powers. Number five, the use of any and all means to reach our final goal is justified. Morality demonstrates weakness. So that is directly akin to the Roman creed that mercy is weakness and was despised and hated and deserved to be destroyed which, of course, was embraced by the Nazi Third Reich. Number six, our right lies in force. So, in other words, directly akin to number two, which was that law is force in disguise and right lies in force. So, number six is our right lies in force. And right means to attack By the right of the strong. To reconstruct all existing institutions. So to change them. To reinvent them. To overturn them and reconstruct all existing institutions. And to become the sovereign lord of all those who leave to the enterprise the rights to their powers and their freedoms by laying them down in their liberalism. So they're duped into yielding, you know, or forced into it, better read than dead. Number seven, power must remain invisible until the very moment when our movement has gained such strength that no cunning or force can undermine it. So, not to be blatant or flagrant or brazen about their impending destruction of us until it is too late for us to do anything about it. Number eight, alcoholic liquors, drugs, moral corruption, and vice 
will be used to corrupt the youth of all nations. Number nine, after gaining sufficient power, we have the right to seize property by any means without hesitation. Our slogan in number 10 is liberty, equality, and fraternity, which, of course, became the battle cry of the French Revolution. Number 11, wars directed so that nations on both sides will be further in debt to these behind the scenes, to our enterprise, to these financiers. Number 12, and this comes to the Kennedys. Candidates for public office will be servile and obedient to our commands so that they might readily be used. Candidates for public office, let alone office holders, presidents, will be servile and obedient to our commands so that they might readily be used. Number 13, the combined wealth of the organization will control all outlets of public information so that it becomes public misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, indoctrination. Number 14, contrived and controlled panics and financial depressions will ultimately result in world government, in one world regime government. That's number 14. So, again, back to number 12. Candidates for office, for public office, and thus, by extension, those who are, you know, popularly elected, they will be servile and obedient to our commands so that they might readily be used. This also pertains, of course, to those who are appointed to office for life as judges, and so forth. Well, Bobby Kennedy and his big brother Jack, they got too big for their britches. And they forgot to be servile and obedient. And they became a threat. And the orders were given to murder them. And there was a man only too willing to be servile and obedient to the powers that be who profited from the demise, the destruction, the violent destruction of Jack Kennedy and who would have been jeopardized by the election of Bobby Kennedy. But he was an order follower, an order taker, not an order giver. (laughs) No, it was these behind the scenes who called the shots. Now, I'm sure you're thinking that many of those things, they seem to be like something right out of some Russian, you know, propaganda or document. Well, we can come forward from Meyer Amschel Bauer, who changed his name to Rothschild, meaning Red Shield. We can come forward to Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin, who took virtually everything that he wrote, that he championed, directly from his grandfather, Erasmus. But he never acknowledged Erasmus. He never gave credit. He was just, you know, desirous to take credit for himself. So in his worldwide view of evolution, he makes it seem as if man is just an animal. Only the strongest have a right to survive. Might makes right. Inferiors should be eliminated for the good, for the common good, for the good of the species as a whole. 
one of the races of humans must be superior to the rest in order for the others to be inferior. Protection of the world and the environment is the ultimate duty of man because we are the highest evolved animal, after all. There can be no absolutes regarding right and wrong, except, of course, that there are no absolutes. So, a couple basic philosophies of law and government are, with creation, laws come from the creator God. With evolution, Darwinian evolution, laws come from man's opinion. With creation, rights are unalienable. With evolution, Darwinian evolution, rights are granted by governments. With creation from God, government should be limited to punishment of evildoers and for the public defense. With Darwinian evolution, government should be all-powerful. With God's creation, there is a constitutional republic, so say our founding fathers, and with Darwinian evolution, democracy, which becomes totalitarian. The Origin of Species by Charles Darwin was actually originally titled back in 1859 before the so-called Civil War, the war between the states. It was titled The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life by Charles Darwin. Let me just repeat that. The preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. That's what the actual title was. And he never talked about the origin of species in his origin of species. Dear Charles Darwin. He was honored by the worst of the worst. His theories, which he took from his grandfather, were used as the basis to not only enslave peoples, but to annihilate them. And it's being used to this day. More on this topic on the next program. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.